Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace. Alright, so today I'm going to be speaking about falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Last week he mentioned about from Hebrews 2, how the scripture says, In past times, God spoke to the prophets, but in these days, he speaks by his son. Right? goes further to say the son is the express image of his nature. Now, you know, something happens when a bright light is shown in this place and everywhere is bright. We get caught by that light. There's a way that light makes an impression on us. Is this thing loud? Is it too loud? (laughs) The feedback is very, okay. So I think I should put it down. Everyone can hear me like this, right? Yes. Yeah, so there's a way the light will come that when, when it captures us, you just have to go towards it. There's a way a beauty would be that when you see that beauty, you just have to gravitate towards it. There's a way glory manifests itself that when we see it, we just have to tend towards that to seek it. So that's how the sun, because the sun is an embodiment of the word and the spirit of God. We know that the trinity is the word, the spirit, and God, the person, the father. And Jesus, John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So Jesus is the embodiment of that word and the spirit of God. And when we see him, something that happens to us. Sons of Song says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for his love is better than wine. His love is better than wine. Think about being intoxicated with wine. His love does much more than that to us. Think about being captured. You know, there's a way that a woman will be captured with love. That, pardon me, ladies, for using woman. We too are captured with love. <laughs> Guys, aren't we? <laughs> There's a way we'll be captured with love that when other people come to want to come and get your attention, your heart is already taken. Because the, the love is, 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 has guarded you. Your heart is for somebody else. So when other things come, it won't fool you easily because we've been deeply rooted in true love. So, in thinking about our relationship with Christ... Falling in love with him. Paul, let's look at what Paul... I'm not going to be philosophical today, so... (laughs) Dr. Phil. So he says... No, no, you can put back that scripture. The songs of songs. For your love is better than wine. You know when Paul was speaking in Ephesians 5.18, he said, Don't be drunk with wine that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit, like you said, in Romans 5, what happens? The love of God captures our hearts. It says the hope that we have will not be put to shame because of God's love. What was Pentecost about? The love of God that captured the hearts of the people who were following him. And when he captured their heart, they didn't mind if they were going to lose their lives. They would bear testimony for him because they loved him more than they loved the world. You know, the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me on thinking about what it actually means to love the Lord, right? 
to receive the love that he has for us and to love him. That he actually, he's preeminent, like he said. Colossians 3.16, he's he's above everything. Jesus speaking said, in John 17, he said, I've sanctified myself for them. And he's sending them into the world. So when we're sent into the world, we're not just sent to just rush in and just go into the world. It's actually a call to come closer to him. Because coming closer to him and being put in the midst of the world, then we become light. Because he is actually the light that we bear. We have this treasure in our earthen vessel. So the excellency is not of us, but of him. So we're, we're going to drive through from 1 Corinthians 15, 13. Verse 13, Paul speaking says, Faith, hope, and love, the greatest greatest of this is love. I'm just going to be reminding us of things we know, right? So that we can just enjoy the love that we have with our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what life is about. His life. The psalmist said, his love is better than life. Psalm 63 verse 3, his love is better than life. His love. James speaking said, what is life? <laughs> what is your life? It comes and it goes. Peter said the same thing. But we know that his love is even better than our life because his love transcends our understanding. Like Dr. Phil had shown us in Ephesians 3. So Paul said, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. So in this, our love relationship, we'll consider that we we'll consider faith, hope, and love in the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Now, has anyone been in a long-distance relationship here before? Yes. <laughs> okay, when you're in a long-distance, mind you, we're driving with relationship. And we know relationship is the basis for everything, right? Relationship is the basis for families, is the basis for friendships. Relationship is the basis for everything, society kingdoms, you know, all about relationship. And when we hear relationship, even as young people, you know, something pops in our eyes, relationship. He loves me, she loves me. Well, well. So, in a long-distance, not-so-long-distance relationship, when someone is, let's say someone is, what country? Someone should give me a country. Ghana. No, Ghana is too close. (laughs) Argentina. Really? <laughs> okay, so let's say Argentina. And then you have someone you love in Argentina, and then you're here, right? The person is, the person is a call, the person is a call away, right? Just a phone call away, or a message away, right? But can you see the person? In the same way, we can't see Jesus Christ with our eyes, so we walk by faith, and not by sight. But that faith is comes by receiving by constantly receiving his word and as he speaks to us we speak back to him and that his word that we constantly receive is by who his spirit his own spirit now if i'm talking to someone i want to see you know if i'm doing skype and i'm seeing you kind of better than phone call but in any any which way let words just come out from you and reach me, then me too, I will send my own words, you know, so, but the spirit is the one who bears the word of God, now there's a difference 
like I know, I'm not trying to propound any theory here, but there's a difference, we know, as we see in Scripture, between the Scriptures and the Word of God. Right? Let's check John 5. John 5. So the Bible in John 5, Jesus said, John 5 is 37. Yeah. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, said to them, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. Right? You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. Because grace for us is a personal relationship with a person. So for instance, let me explain what I mean by that. In the simplest, simplest way I understand you know, the grace of God to be, if you relate with someone working with you because they're your colleague, it's different from when you're relating with them because the person is a person. So think about relating with someone who is, let's say, a security guard in the, in the building where you work. If you're relating with a person based on their work or their job, it's different from when you're relating based on their person. So the grace is always a person-to-person relationship. So in that way, it's not about, it's person-to-person. This is why we have to have the Holy Spirit with us. If we're not filled with the Spirit, there's no way we're going to be filled with the love of God. In the same way, there's no way we're going to hope and wait passionately for the coming of our Savior. What does it even mean to hope, to wait? We'll get there. So it says, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me, you, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Next verse. But you do not have his word abiding in you. He didn't say you didn't know scriptures. Or says so you didn't have his word abiding in you. Now, between the word that abides in the book and the word that abides in the human being, which one is the which one is supreme? That abides in the human being because we were made to carry his word. That's really why we were made. Second Corinthians, Paul says, don't you know you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? What does that mean? We're actually made, our souls were made to house God. We're the image of God. So we'll never find fulfillment. So we're, we're, we're a temple of the living God. So as it were, this flesh, sci- a scientist can create this flesh. Only God can create this body. And this body was made for the Lord. And so, really, the reason why we are alive, why we live, is really to house him. Is really to carry his word in us. So you see, you don't have his word abiding in you because whom he, because whom he sent. Hmm. Because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Please give us ESV. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. ESV. Because you don't believe. Now, verse 39. It says, And you you search ESV. Do you have ESV? Okay, same thing. It's fine. Alright, I can put it back up. It says you search the scriptures thinking that you find eternal life in them. And these, and these are they who bear witness of me. And you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So it's possible to search the scriptures. And know the scriptures. And be able to think the scriptures. And not have the word. Now, flip to Hebrews. Hebrews 6. In Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews said that, I would that you move on to maturity. He says, not laying again the foundations, the elementary doctrines of Christ. Hebrews 6. 
Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works of faith towards God. It lists the fundamental doctrines. And doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal job. These are awesome doctrines. Next, next verse. It says, and this we will do if God permits. So the doctrines are good, but the doctrines are a way to lead us somewhere. To lead us to Jesus, the person. Now if we don't get to him, the person, um, it's possible that what you have can be taken away from you. So in that sense, in a relationship, three things come to mind. Seeking, waiting, and finding. Seeking, waiting, and finding. And I liken that to faith, hope, and love. And also liken that to death, burial, and resurrection. And so, since the relationship between man and God, we and Christ, He is a supreme being than we are. So it starts with Him. The relationship has got to start with Him. Start with Him is not a thing of time, it's a thing of person. That means for everything, it starts with Him. For everything, every time, everywhere, it always starts with Him. The seeking starts with Him. The waiting is with Him. Think about it, that God has been waiting for all times for us to come to Him, to love Him, to realize that everything in the world is just made so that we can have an intimate relationship with Him. So just think about someone who is waiting. You know, a guy, maybe we're chasing one girl, and, you know, as usual now, they'll give... (laughs) You know, and then you're seeking because you're like, hey, and the person says, hi. You know, you can see that the seeking level is not the same. One is coming like this. The other one is just, hey, you know. But you keep on, you know, the guy. Now, imagine some of us find it hard to seek and hard to wait because it's really hard to seek. Because sometimes it means you're vulnerable. Because when you seek, you have to seek with your whole heart. The Bible speaking says, you will find me. In that way, you seek me with your whole heart. Jesus said, ask and you will find. But before we come to our own part of the equation, let's start with God's part. So, when we want to know how God seeks and waits and finds, we look at Jesus Christ, like we're always taught here. We look at Jesus Christ. So, John 3.16, my best verses in the Bible. Like I said, you went through all the verses there. For God so loved the world. We can never get over this verse. Never. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, it can seem like God so loved the world. It can seem that the world, in this text, what's at the center? Is it the world? His son. God so loved the world. How do you know how much he loves the world? Because he gave his son. It's the giving of his son that shows how much he loves the world. So is that he loves his son so much. Just the way he told Abraham, the son that you love, Genesis 22. Go and sacrifice him. That one that you love. So in the same way, because he loves his son so much, when he gave his son, he, he lets us know how much he loves the world. So in here, you know what was happening? God was seeking the entire world to come to him. In John 3.16, it shows that God, the Father, seeking the entire world 
to come to him, to know him, to love him, to think about him every time. That everything would be about him. That when you're thinking about politics, he's first. When you're thinking about religion, he's first. When you're thinking about dressing, he's first. Not just when we're thinking about church. Everything. When we're thinking about science, Jesus is first. Because is there any better scientists? No. Yeah. When we're thinking about anything, he is preeminent. Right? So, we know John 3.16 shows us that. Then John 4, the woman at the well... What was Jesus doing there? Waiting for her. He was waiting for her. Now something about waiting. Waiting is also very interesting. Well, for us, from our end. Because, for instance, as simple as when you send someone a message and you don't get a response. Something you use moving this way. You know, that waiting is hard. Some people are, are good at waiting and we have to learn how to wait. And guess what? Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord. It gives us how waiting should be done as Christians. Our own waiting. It tells us what waiting is. But for God, sorry, just not to jump. Have I confused anyone so far? No, thank God. So, God waits for us. Just think about it. Think about the century where we were born, when he sent his son. He's been waiting for us to come to him. He loves us that much. He would wait for us to come to him. And everyone, John said, he says, everyone that the Father has given me will come to me. That's not a mechanical thing. That means he will wait for us. He's a loving Father. And then he finds us. He found that woman. Now, let's read from John 4. Let's see how he finds. Because that's very interesting. Because the woman said she had heard about you know, that they will worship, they heard about the Messiah. John 4, 20. We can start from 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Right? A place. A place. Not, you know when you find something, you own that thing. So everywhere you're going is with you. Right? Just like the merchant in Matthew 13 that found the pearl of great price. Went back, sold everything so that I can own that one. So, in our next verse, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither... When... The hour... Okay, let me read from here. Let me read from here. The hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall ye worship the Father. Next. You worship that which you know not. Remember Acts 17 at the Areopagos when Paul was there and they put a statue to an unknown God. That's the craziness we have in our time this day. That means thinking it's possible to actually worship a God you do not know. That's where mysticism comes from because I want to worship something I don't know. So I could just put a stone and worship the stone. Like, I have no intimate relationship with the stone. I cannot know the stone the way the stone can know me. We're not on the same, but I'll just worship the stone. Doesn't make any sense. That means even the idea that it's possible to worship what you do not know will run off with a lot of fanaticism. But we know him. We can know him. He's not a God who is, you cannot know him. You can know him. So, it says, ye worship 
that which you do not, which you know not. We worship that which we know for salvation is from the Jews. Next verse. But the hour comes and now is, see, but the hour is coming and now is. Let's keep that in mind. The hope, the hour is coming, but now is, right? When the true worshippers, not the true worship, he seeks the worshippers, not only the worship. He seeks us, the people. He says, shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such does the Father seek. He's the one who seeks first. He's the one who seeks. None can come to him except he draws. He's the one who seeks. He says, next verse, God is spirit. And they that worship must worship in spirit and truth. And so, Jesus, next verse. Well, you know the story. Jesus finds this woman. This woman is so excited because Jesus said to her, I am he, right? She said, I've heard of the Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us how to worship and all of that. Jesus said, I'm the one. So he finds her, right? When he finds her, you know what? That means <laughs> in the line of the relationship, think about it. God started, started it. Seeking, waiting, Finding, right? Now, when she was found, what was the next thing she started? She was now made to be able to seek. When we're found by God, then Paul says that we have received Jesus by grace and through faith. That means faith is seeking and a sure seeking is an assurance. That means I'm seeking and I know who I'm seeking. So, when he found the woman. And when he finds us by his grace, he gives us a gift. And we also, because we have been found, we also seek him. So anyone who has been born again has been born from above, has been born into a living hope, has been born into seeking God. So the very character of faith is seeking him. It's not anything mechanical. How would, you be, how would we be in a relationship with someone who we don't seek? It's always been about a relationship with a person. Our devotion flows from there. Never been about rules. Always been about a person. Everything flows from there. And so, um, and so faith now, Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance of what is hoped for. Meaning that right now, we do not see him, the way Peter said, but we rejoice. Why? Because we have his spirit with us. And so through his spirit, we can relate with him. We also have his blood. By his blood, by his spirit, and through his blood. The blood leaves, he makes intercession for us. Every time. So, we now seek him. And let's check um, Romans 10. Exactly what he said. Again, Romans 10, 17. I love this. Jesus is just so awesome. You know, that will just repeat the same thing so that it will sink in deep. He says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remember we said the word of God. We need the Holy Spirit to have the word of God, right? Now the scriptures is a documentation of what the spirit did throughout history and a particular history that it documented for us. Now preaching 
is explaining the things of the spirit. The way Paul said, I would that you will not be ignorant about the things of the spirit. First Corinthians 12 1. So preaching is explaining the thing. That's why when people spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost, people like the world will ask, What does this mean? Because the world is eager, the world does not know. The world is in darkness. The world needs us. If we don't step out, there is no other salvation from anywhere. No president, nothing, no one. The church, the Christians. If we don't do if we don't bear the light and carry the light of Christ, He is the salvation. We are his hands and his feet. We to take it there. And why will we take it is when we see him as everything. And when he manifests himself to us, then the world will see him in us. Because that's the only way they will look at us and give glory to him and not to us. So, what was I? <laughs> what are we talking about? Thank you. Exactly. So faith comes by here. Now, faith is on truth. Looking at faith now. Faith is not wishful thinking. We already know that here so much. It's not our faith that. Faith is based on truth. That means the revealed character of God. Because in a world where there is so, so many things going on, I was in, a, I was in lunch with some folks, some friends, he came with some of his other friends, white people, and they were talking about the Buddhist, you know, and they were talking about all these ideas and all of that. And I remember that, <laughs> and I just saw it was so clear there, that wow, the gospel is really an exclusive and simple message. All the things they were saying, I did not understand. Like, they're talking about concepts that were way beyond me, and the concept didn't make sense. So I didn't even entreat them to say, oh wow, well, that's beautiful thinking. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. And I just said, Jesus. Now, I didn't try to explain it. I just said, you receive him. It's, not, it's more than a doctrine. The doctrine points to him, but Jesus. I'm like, just think about, I don't, just Jesus. The woman wanted to convert me. She went on. I just said, girl, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, it was so funny because I didn't even have an explanation. I didn't even have any... Uh, Rema for I just <laughs> J E S U S. So the person, because I'm like he's a person. So anything I want to explain about him is still lower than him. So it is him, the person, Jesus. So as you're thinking about this, they just just think that perhaps Jesus reconciles all these things in a way that you cannot fathom. That when we see him, we will understand a little bit more. You know. So. Um. Faith, thank you. It's like people are trying to draw what I'm not. Whatever, let me just finish what I need to finish. <laughs> All right. So faith for us is based on truth. Now truth has to be on. The Holy Spirit has to reveal the word. It's impossible to have the word without the Holy Spirit. Impossible. Impossible. That's why we must pray. It's impossible to read the word without praying. Like, it's literally impossible. Like, you read the word, you have your own understanding, and it will profit you nothing. Literally. You might do it over and over again to realize that. Wait till. This is my Rema. It's not really Rema. <laughs> it's just mental exercise. But it says when the Holy Spirit comes, John 16, he would lead you to all truth. He'll take what is mine and give it to you. He will glorify me. Right? So, it's actually the Holy Spirit. So, we must ask. Luke 11, Jesus said, 
is a good father. So if you ask him for bread, he's not going to give you stone. So if we ask him for the Holy Spirit, you know, he said we should ask. So the number one thing is when we come to the scriptures, we have to ask so that the Holy Spirit will reveal the word in us. So that builds our faith. And what is, we need that faith. You know why we need that faith? We need that faith so much. Now, we know God is unconditionally loving, right? But justification is conditional. It has to be by faith. We're not going to be saved apart from faith in Jesus. It's impossible. It's not even by knowledge. Paul underscores that in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, where are the philosophers of this age? Salvation won't come by that. The Gnostics that he always talks about, they won't, you won't just have a, like a unique knowledge that once you just get that knowledge, you're saved. No. We'll have to know him, Jesus. And the only way we can know him now, because we can't see him physically, is by faith. And the spirit of faith has to do the work of faith. Like he said, the deep work in our hearts. The regeneration is by faith. Titus 3.5 is by faith. And so, this faith in the world where we're living in, where what we're seeing seems crazy. We need to see something else. If we don't see another glory, then we will live to these little glories. We'll be discussing about shoe, shit. When we're supposed to be chasing him and these things should chase us. About kingdoms, about policies. When we're supposed to be thinking about the person, Jesus. And out of us will be coming out his wisdom. So, when he captures our hearts, the world literally would be turned upside down. The way John and the disciples did. You know, they said, these guys have come here. These guys have turned the world upside down. These guys that were unlearned men, but they could see that they had been with Jesus. They had fallen in love with Jesus. Now, hope. Hope. So, in faith, the key thing we're taking out of faith is that it's an assurance and we must seek with our entire hearts. With our whole heart. And it takes faith to seek with your whole heart because that's faith. Because you can be like, you can even use scripture to do gymnastics. And just be like, you know that God is saying, go, go here. His word is there. He knows his ways, his will. But this is why we, it must lead us to prayer. True faith is born in prayer. When we read, we've read here. When we pray, it comes here. We come to believe the thing. So many times I read a text and say, Jesus, I don't understand this text. I can quote it, but I don't get it. Help me. Help me to know you, to know the truth that is there. Because when we see him, we become like him. So, so we go then to hope. And speaking about hope, Isaiah, that place we check, it says, They that wait upon the Lord, Isaiah 40, 30, They that wait upon the Lord shall be This shall be what? <laughs> trying to be conscious of time. Please help us. Isaiah for um, But those who wait on the Lord. 
and that translation says those who wait for the Lord or on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, if they say on your marks, get set, that get set is the wait. Now, get set is never get set. Now, imagine you see someone get set. I like this. Yeah, like this one is not even in the race. It's already disqualified because it doesn't know what waiting is. Get set. Now, this is strenuous. It can be really painful. Why do we, what are we doing here? We're waiting for him. He's going to come again. He's coming to us by his spirit. Obviously, when Dr. Phil came up and everything, me, I was already mesmerized. I was just like, you know what, dialing. <laughs> you know, Jesus comes to us. He comes to us. And it helps us to wait on him. Only he can help us because the waiting can be strenuous for us. Now, the waiting again is the burial. Remember I said the faith is what? The death. Now, when we look at the death of Christ, we see the faith of God. Because Jesus loved us so much, believes that he emptied himself and died. He gave his all. He gave his all. He didn't hold back anything. Hebrews talks about you've not resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. But what Jesus did, it means he consumed everything and he was fine. He consumed everything. He gave entire. And for us, the waiting is what? The burial. Now, in the burial, could we see Jesus? She was his body that was there, Abby. It was the Holy Spirit that was keeping him. So when we yield to the Spirit, and we walk in the Spirit, and we live by the Spirit, and we don't quench the Spirit, and we don't grieve the Spirit, all the exhortations we see in Scripture regarding the Holy Spirit, and we're not devoid of the Spirit, when we live in that life, we're buried with Him. What does it mean to be buried? We take our own heart, put it in His own heart. It becomes one. We're buried with Him. If it doesn't go, like Moses said, do not lead us there. God, if you're not going here, I'm not going doesn't matter how long I stay here. If you look through scriptures, that's, that's how believers are. The whole world might be going here, but I'm not going. If you are not leading me there. He loves it. He loves it when we go that way. That's the one that you love. So for us, we know that when we when we're buried with him, that's what it's like to wait. Isaiah said when we're waiting, our strength is renewed. That means... Our waiting is an active thing. Now, when we're occupying till he comes, what are we doing? Waiting for him. When he gives talent and said, I'm going make profit or I'm coming back. What are they doing? Waiting for him. Yes, making profit. The virgin. When we're doing business, what are we doing? Waiting for Jesus. Our business is here. It's entirely about Jesus. And we're waiting for him. Our families is about Jesus. We're waiting for him. Our relationship is about Jesus. We're waiting for him. Even our dress, everything is about Jesus. And we're waiting for him. We're waiting. And when you see, that's why when the world sees us, it doesn't understand. Because we're very funny people. We can laugh today and not laugh tomorrow. Because waiting. You know, a pregnant woman that is waiting to give birth. Some, some days, she's excited. Because I've never been a pregnant woman. <laughs> but in any case, let's look at two scriptures on waiting. So that we'll move on. Let's check Titus 2.13. Titus 2.13. It says, looking for the blessed hope. I like hearing this blessed hope from your mouth, Dr. Phil. (laughs) Looking for the blessed hope 
and glorious looking or waiting. That's another translation says, waiting for the blessed hope. So because, guess what? We love him so much that we can't wait to see him. Like the person, the man Jesus. The man himself. Because you know why? When you see him, you're like, Jesus, the days that nobody understood me, where I felt like everything was gone, it was you that came through for me. I knew that by faith. The days where I had nothing. In fact, as it were, every day, the world didn't make sense. In fact, when I felt like deep within my inner man, nothing was coming through. It was you that was that strength. That's what it means that he's our salvation. He's our sanctification. He's everything. So we know that he's him. So when we see him, wow. We can't wait to see him. We can't wait to see him. He's a blessed hope. Him. First Corinthians talked about, we know in part, but when we see him face to face, we can't wait to see him. It says, and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go to the next verse. Who gave himself for us? No, the verses before. Go to from 11. Let's read from 11. It says, for the grace of God brings salvation. That brings salvation. That means the grace of God that seeks. That's what grace is. It seeks out. Comes from anywhere, anywhere, no matter how deep. It seeks out. The grace of God. Let's thank God for the grace of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Jesus' name. Next verse. 12. Teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly loss, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. What is this? Waiting. All of this is waiting. We're waiting for him. As people that will have oil in our lamps. Not when he comes, we want to go and buy oil. It's not like that. So we live for us, we live in repentance. That's why I love the word he preached. Um, which day was that? Was that the last time before you traveled? I can't remember. But talking about repentance, the prodigal, the, the prodigal father, Abby. repentance. We live there because for us, we're always coming to him. Because the more we see his glory, remember where we started from, the revelation of Jesus that our brother preached last week, the more we see him, the more we see the less of us. Like John will say, that I may decrease, that he may increase. Gladly, that's what we want. So we want to take our crown that he gave to us and cast it before him. We want to take our will that he gave to us freely and give it back to him. He says, this will is yours. I want to obey you. So, let's check Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 22. Romans 8, 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Next verse. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. See? Even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The world is the fallen body. John speaking about the world said the world is the loss of the flesh, right? Loss of the eyes, the pride of life. But this body, Jesus came in this body, just this body like ours, but with the Holy Spirit, yielding fully to the Holy Spirit. Did not sin. Did everything he did. So there's a whole lot that can happen in our lives when we follow the way of God. It's 
crazy the things that can happen and the things that he can use us to do. You know? So, next verse. So we wait. It says, For we were saved in this hope. In this hope we're saved. But hope that is sin is not hope. You know why we need hope? We need hope because imagine a hopeless man. <laughs> imagine there's some, nothing to look forward to. Imagine you have it all now. What a boring life to have it all now. But for us, we have it now, all, faith. But we still look for it all. Best of both worlds. Isn't Jesus awesome? That right now, he's with us. He comes to us by his spirit. But then we were still waiting for him. But that's just awesome. So, for that blessed hope. So we wait patiently. Why? Because of the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. Now we've talked about faith, hope, right? And, hey, Jesus Christ. I'll just end. So that means we reach the end. Yes, let's just end. <laughs> and so, and talking about love, just in rounding up, talking about um, the good, how faith is related to love, right? First John four sixteen says, we believe the love that He has for us. So even the goal of our faith is His love. What our faith is eyeing is His love. And even our hope, the motivation for our hope is still his love. Because he said, this hope will not put to shame. Because of what? The love of God. This is why we wait patiently. Because God's love sustains us now. So when you're going through the world, you're not thinking about just strategies. You're thinking about a person. Strategy. You have to know the strategy, deploy the strategy. Person is with you every time. In the knowing, in the deploying, in the executing. The person is with us. We love him. And just Songs of Songs 2.13. I'll just end here with love. 2.13. It says, Oh, my dove. I feel like it says to us, Oh, my dove. My love, my fair one, come away. Let's just hear Jesus making a call to us like he always does. We're with him, so we even want to go all the way more. It says, and come away. Next verse. In the cleft of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff. That means that place where only you and him can understand. To have that intimate relationship with Jesus where only you and him so anytime we're seeing you, you're coming from somewhere. We're all coming from somewhere. From him. And when we now come together from him and meet him, you know, but now in him, through him, you know, all things is just awesome. And that says, let me see your face. He wants to see our face. We have to present our faces, our experiences. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. Do you know your voice is sweet to Jesus? My voice is sweet to Jesus. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Next, next verse. Now, in this lovership, that's when he says, catch the little foxes for us. That means, inspect anything that wants to taint this love, and let's catch it. So, our sanctification, right, our growing in him, is a thing of love. It's because we love him that we depart from sin. It's because we love him that we even set aside weights 
not necessarily sin. It's because we love him. That you can just, just because you love him. So we're not, so the sin is not the center. He is the center. He has become the center of our lives for him. It says that for the vine, next verse. What's our response? My beloved is mine and I am his. This is the hallmark of our lives. He feeds his flock. My beloved is mine. This is the heart of our prayer. That he is ours. He is. Let's bow our heads. In Jesus' name. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.